And at that time, Made in Ghana shoes had that perception of being inferior. It then dawned on me that, oh wow, this has potential. When you start small and your products are good, you get the organic growth. I knew that I didn't want to work in the bank. So I did not actually sit down to plan that I want to go into shoemaking. It was an opportunity that I found and I tapped into it. People were working from home, weddings were banned. So yes, for about six months, we had stock sitting here. It's easier and cost effective for me to ship to London or New York than to, to shift to say Nairobi. We defied the statistic that startups fail within the first to five year yeah. period. And we are, we are doing 13 years. I said to myself that I am burning the bridges. I don't want to go back. So it's either win or perish. It is better to try and fail than fail not to try because it's just jobs. Um, it's just jobs, creating jobs, building factories. Those are the things that would actually lift the youth out of unemployment situation. You're not defined by where you, where you come from. Yeah. And I think that's a big message that I always yeah. want to tell people. Like, like you have to be able to be uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, be comfortable with being uncomfortable. When you grow up in ends, you don't realise it when you're confident, but you have an audacity to do things that ordinarily most people wouldn't be able to do. Takeaway experience. We've got a special guest in the building, and we're also doing a special location. We're doing it in Accra, Ghana. So, very excited to have this conversation with you today, Tony. How are you doing? I'm good, Atu, and um, welcome to Ghana. I learned this is your first time in Ghana. It is, yes, it is. It is awesome, it is. awesome. Welcome to Accra. Thank you. Um, the politicians used to say that is the gateway to Africa, but okay, I don't know. I, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it still holds, but yes, welcome to Accra, Ghana. Love that, love that. So, who is Tony? Tony Senaya, um, a boy who was born in um, Kumase, grew up in Kumase, had my secondary education in Kumase in um, one of the best schools, secondary schools, um, I believe, in Ghana, Prempe College. Went to the University of Ghana, read sociology, and uh, at a point I also was involved in um, student activism. I became the I became the president of our student union in in my final years. And uh, after school, I did my national service, and then I zoomed into shoemaking. So yes, um, um, I have had an interesting um, background growing up. I have done a bit of pieces um, of everything, and then in 2010, yeah. I started the enterprise of um, making shoes, and the rest isn't history yet because we are still living it. Yeah, so um, I run Horseman Shoes, founder and see of horseman shoes currently. Amazing, amazing. Tell me a bit more about Kumasi. So you said that you were born there. Yeah. What was it like growing up there? Um, Kumasi is um, the second largest city in, in, in Ghana. And it is predominantly um, a conservative. It used to be conservative um, in, in, in nature, but now it is opening up. It is um, known for commerce and craft. So. Um, our first president built a shoemaking factory in Kumasi, and as a, as a result of that, we have a lot of shoemakers in Kumasi. And beyond shoemaking, we have a lot of um, people into uh, dressmaking and other vocations like mechanic, you know. So growing up in Kumasi, I grew up in um, a home where my dad was, he wasn't so strict, but um, he was the guy who would, uh, after a long period of misbehaving, he would bring you in and remind you of all your sins and give you one spanking. So I have, a, <laughs> I have a bit of free time. So I used to roam a lot after school. I played, I used to play soccer, did everything that young 
guys growing up did. So I had a bit of free time to experience and also build a lot of relationship and gather a lot of experiences and uh, memories. Yeah. So growing up, growing up in Kumasi was, was was very fun. Okay, amazing. What brought you to Accra? Why did you make that? Um, so after Prempe College in 2001, I got enrolled in the University of Ghana here in Legon 2003. And that was the period where um, I came to live in Accra and didn't go back mm. till I, I finished school and I after school I went back home to be with my dad for a while and did what we call the national service and after na national service was here in Accra and just when my national service was about ending I found the opportunity in shoemaking okay. so since then I've been shuttling between Accra and Kumasi yeah. Yeah. So you said you found an opportunity in shoemaking. How did that come about? Was that through um, your No, here here in Accra, when I was doing my national service, yeah. there was a man who had a shop in my where I lived here in Accra. So after work I'll go sit with him and have conversations, you know. And he was someone who has lived in Europe before, so he would tell me about his tales in Europe and how it didn't go well. And uh, when he was coming back home, he had some few money to buy the machines. So I sat with him for about three or four months. And one day I just pulled an image of the internet and asked him if he could do it for me. He said, yes, when I wore it to work, my friends liked it. They were amazed that I'm um, a national service personnel, um, how I could afford that good looking shoe. Yeah. I told them it was locally made. Those who knew where I lived came through to order a pair. But then I also had a friend who was working at PwC PricewaterhouseCoopers. They were being paid very well. So when he saw it and he ordered a pair, his colleagues started calling me that um, they hear I know a man who makes shoes. So it then dawned on me that, oh, wow, this has potential, you know. And at that time, Made in Ghana shoes had that um, perception of being inferior. But then I also asked myself if these guys who could buy shoes anywhere, yeah. Uh, uh, calling me to order for locally made shoes, then it didn't matter to them where the shoes were coming from, provided it of top quality and met their desired expectations. Mm -hmm. So that's how it started in 2009, actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I would take orders from them, go to my man, yeah. he would make it for me, go and sell to them until 2010 when I set up my workshop in Kumasi. Okay. Kumasi, because that's where I grew up, mm -hmm. um, I called my dad to tell him that um, this is what I wanted to do. I'm sure he wasn't so clear in his mind that an university graduate, he wants to go into shoe manufacturing, but yeah. He, yeah, he gave me all the necessary support. He even introduced me to, to, me to a shoemaker who lived in the neighborhood. And um, I started from his premises. He gave me his premises to start from. So that is how come I entered into shoemaking and I haven't looked mm. back. Wow. So why, why did you decide to go fully? Because obviously we all have like lots of ideas mm -hmm. uh, that we, but we don't always pursue them. So yeah. why, what was that like burning spirit for you to say, okay, I'm just going to um, go into it? Before I left the university, um, it was a period where um, banks were now coming into the Ghanaian space from Nigeria, you know, so it was um, a bank craze at that time. All the banks at that time we left school had set tents and were organizing aptitude tests, you know, recruiting fresh university graduates. I knew that I didn't want to work in the bank, you know, so for that I was very sure, even though if you took ten, um, eight out of ten students, they wanted to go into the bank because they were paying well, you know. Um, uh, what I wanted to do was to work with an NGO because I loved people development. I didn't have the slightest of idea it was start with shoemaking. 
But I, I also had an idea of um, doing tailoring. Tailoring because my friends who worked in the bank, they didn't have time then. So I would go to the secondhand goods market, get a shirt, go and look for a tailor to alterate it to be slim fitting for me. So anytime we met at functions, they would ask, where did you get this? I want some. So it dawned on me that, well, um, if I have a tailor, I could go around these guys. I, I could go to them in their offices tailor measure them and do slim fitting suits um, suit for them. Yeah. So that was a big idea that I had. So when the shoes idea came and I saw the opportunity, I said, okay, good. Then let me start with the shoes. So I did not actually sit down to plan that I want to go into shoemaking. Yeah. It was an opportunity that I found and I tapped into it. Yeah. And, and all the shoes currently right now, they, they're still all handmade? Yeah, they are yeah, still all, all, yes. all handmade and all handmade. In all handmade Kumasi. shoes in Kumasi. Wow. So why did you then decide, okay, I'm going to have a shop in Accra if you're yeah, busy in um, Accra is the capital and this is where I started selling to my friends, you know, and um, like I said, Kumasi is the hub of shoemaking. So um, it made sense to have a setup there because we had skilled labor because yeah. we had um, raw materials availability and because I had a space that um, I wasn't going to pay for. Okay. You know, so I set up in Kumasi because of all these factors. And Accra was where the market was, you know, because, um, I mean, the capital is the capital. And this is where I had tested the idea with my friends, mm. their friends and their friends. So um, it made sense that I started from Accra to sell here. So we make the shoes and then we courier them to Accra. Great, amazing. So how much did it initially cost you to set up the shop, if you, if you remember? Um, I cannot put the figures together um, but I, it wasn't very expensive and that is the beauty of starting small you know so um, the idea came to set up a shop when I gave some pieces of leather to a shoemaker in Kumase he promised me to deliver in two weeks but it took about two months then he had to explain that um, he didn't have all the equipment to work on it so he had to go to town to finish up some of the jobs so I asked him if we wanted to produce under one shed what will it take? So he gave me the list of machinery. I went to town to ask for prizes. And most of them were locally manufactured. So yes, it, it wasn't very expensive. I remember I took money from my dad, my late dad, and then my sister to, to set up the shop. Um, I started with the basics, the basic of, um, of, of machinery. Mm -hmm. So um, in, in today's, um, in, in dollar term, maybe like $200 or, really? or, yes, or, or even less, yes. That's Quite cheap. Yes, it was cheap yeah. then. Yes. Wow. And if, if you were to start again today, would it be as cheap? Um, <laughs> not really. With, with with my experience and knowing the level to start from, mm. then, then I, of course I would need um, heavy investment in terms of machinery and even bigger space and and, and technology and all that. Yeah. But um, 13 years ago. I had not been in the industry before. I was just a startup, um, trying to test the market and see how it will go for me. So um, I started with the basic and the simplest of um, tools and machinery. Yeah. How did you build your your clientele? How, how did that go for you? Because obviously you're starting from, like you said, you had no experience. Yes. You're you obviously you were you know selling to your friend, friends, PwC. But how did you build that over, over the long term? Yeah. So. Um, Again, when you start small um, it's, and your products are good, you get the organic growth, you know. So um, my initial breakthrough in terms of um, reaching out to other people was through my friends, word of mouth which I think is the most powerful tool of marketing even till today. You know, so yes, I relied a lot of, on, on my friends and I didn't even ask them to. 
you know, when when they got their pairs and they realized the shoes were that good, they recommended me to other people. So gradually, I started growing beyond my friends. And then not long before that, the advent of social media. Until today, social media has become one of our most powerful medium of um, reaching out to new people. Mm -hmm. So yes, it was word of mouth and through social media then. And then um, after four years, um, there was excitement around my business because university graduate doing shoes it was a bit of on it was unheard of you know so um i began getting a lot of attention from the media um granting interviews telling my story and through that a lot of people also got to hear about me then i also participated a lot in competitions that put the name out there Okay. And how you how have you found doing business in Ghana? I know you haven't done it internationally anyway, yeah. but how are you finding that? Um, it's, 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 it's a mix of everything, but generally it's, it's tough, you know, because uh, we came from a point where we came from a point where um, Ghanaian product had this perception that they were of poor quality. Mm -hmm. So we had to we, we had to produce products that will speak for itself that look we set ourselves apart from the um, from the, the pack you know so yes that period was a bit difficult um telling Ghanaians that this was made in Ghana for them to accept you and generally the business environment is difficult and um, working with government agencies like the registered general it wasn't easy and then the tax regime till today I think that um, finding alternative locally or buying from suppliers who import is much cheaper or is, is mo it? yes it's okay. it's most preferred yeah. than to source outside because yeah. the import duties yeah. and, and 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 the taxes so generally the the Ghanaian terrain is, is is very difficult but over the years um governments have tried to build an infrastructure in terms of electric stable electricity yeah. and um, road networks to travel from one city to the other and um, we have better internet services compared yeah. to um, previous years. So e-commerce is also um, on the increase now. Yeah. And uh, that was really tested when COVID came. Yeah, yeah that's, how um, did that have an impact on you? Did it um, well, for us, our impact was, was really felt because shoes are meant for occasions like yeah. going to work, weddings and going um, for events. Mm -hmm. So for about six months, all these um, activities were not happening. Okay. You know, people were working from home. Yeah. Weddings were banned and limited to only 25 people. So yes, for about six months, we had stock sitting here. But from the, during the last quarter, mm. we had to sell or else we go out of business. So yes, we devised all we devised all mechanisms and deployed all the marketing tactics that we knew yeah. to 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 um, offload our stock. And um, from October to December. We cleared, we cleared the stock and yes, all of a sudden, business yeah. became very good. That's amazing. I remember when we were having our conversation offline, you, yeah. have, you have very famous clientele. How, how did you get those clientele? Because, mm -hmm. you know, again, like you were saying, there's a bit of a perception, obviously. So breaking down that perception sure. is amazing. How, how did you manage to do that? Um, through my personal network and most importantly, through people who had bought from us and um, shared their testimony you know so we have people walking here and would argue with us that no these shoes are not made in ghana you know and, <laughs> you know so yes as we, we we have a very rich clientele from politics to top media personalities to corporate executives to young professionals and uh, ordinary Ghanaian. you know so um 
um, basically is through recommendations and um, people who have experienced the brand. Yeah. You know, they, they speak well of us to other people. Yeah. yeah. And you were also telling me as well offline that you are selling more online versus offline. How did mm -hmm. that come about? I think it has come with a period of um, trust because especially there are a lot of businesses or there are a lot of businesses that are online to scam people. Yeah, yeah so um, for us, when a customer who doesn't know our shop, where the shop is located, has never interacted with us before, will get in touch for the first time, pick a shoe, we have it, and make payment before delivery, it tells us that um, people have confidence in the brand. Probably they have done their research to know that Horseman is different from the other online shops that um, scam people. And um, we also do a bit of um, online activations to also um, acquire new customers. So basically it is, it is an endorsement that we've been around for a very long time. And it's also a vote of confidence that the general public trust the brand, that they don't necessarily have to come to the physical shop to have a feel of the product before um, committing to buy. Yeah, what are some of those activations that you do? Because you, you have mentioned it a few times in this conversation that you do. Um, we, we go out there to, to <laughs> <laughs> we go out there to participate in um, um, trade shows and when people come in here and they have good experience, mm -hmm. they on their own without asking, share. Okay. So, and I, I, I really even prefer that when people, okay, Oh, no, no, don't worry. You can, I, sorry, I won't be. Okay, so I, I actually, we actually like it when people decide to become ambassadors on their own. So those little, little things go a long way to feed into building their brand and their brand perception, you know. So um, over the years, we have had um, quite a number of um, trade shows where people who matter, where all our target market come to even see the shoes for the first time they may not necessarily buy but they have the first interaction and whenever they are ready to buy um, they, they give us a call or they walk in here so um, yes a lot of a bit of everything that has really brought us this far. Yeah, so you feel like putting yourself out there mm -hmm. up front, especially in these trade shows, yes. that legitimizes like what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. And like you were saying, like there's a lot of scam shops. Can you tell me a bit about these scam shops? Because I don't, I don't understand. What, I, I mean, I do understand. Okay. So, um, I see a lot of people share their experiences yeah. online, um, especially on them on IG and Facebook. They see a shop. Mm selling a product or a service. So what normally happens is um, you have to make prepayment before it is delivered. So they make payments and the, the items never get delivered. The number that you make payment to, the number that you interacted with initially, yeah. you try calling them again and it's off. Yeah. So yeah, so you, you, you've been scammed. Okay, okay, yeah. so, okay, so, yeah. so yeah, yeah. Okay, that happens a lot in the UK as well. Oh, okay, I see. Scam through eBay, mm -hmm. Amazon, you can scam through, you can scam through anything. Yeah, so yes, it, it, it happens a lot here. Okay, okay, that's that's interesting. Another thing we were talking about was shipping internationally, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you ship internationally as well. Yes, we And do. we were talking about shipping across Africa. Africa. That some parts are easier to ship. Then, then others, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, one of our biggest challenges in terms of um, servicing the international market is logistics. And it is even more difficult doing business within the African region. So it will be, it's easier and cost effective for me to ship to London or New York than to, to ship to say Nairobi. Because um, DHL goes 
directly to those places. Uh, but DHL to Nairobi may be even be expensive than shipping to UK or shipping to New York. That is the biggest challenge that we face here. And we are hoping that with the um, free trade coming in um, to other to facilitate um, the smooth processes of businesses, they would take into consideration um, the kind of challenges that we have doing business amongst ourselves. Yeah. 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 What do you think would would help with that? Because you said that. Is it is that cheaper? Is it better logistics, better roads? Is it yes, roads, and I think that um, transportation system. Yeah. You know, because um, only few countries that operate the airlines that I can fly here directly to their cities. Yeah. So, for instance, if I am going to Zambia, I cannot fly directly to Zambia. I either go through Ethiopia, Nairobi, or if one is still there, Kigali. So I had a conversation with um, one of um, the courier companies and they explained the challenges that if we are sending packages from Accra to other cities without direct flight, um, it gets mixed up because they have to also transit. Right, yeah, okay. So in transferring the products, it, get, it may get missing, it may get damaged. You know? So that is the challenges that um, we face when we are doing business within the sub-region. Okay, okay. So I'm hoping that... Um, African leaders, in all their considerations and deliberations in making free trade um, work in Africa, they will also look at the logistics and the transportation system that um, can make movement of goods and services free. Yeah, amazing. So do you think, do you consider yourself successful? I, I would consider you successful, but do you consider yourself successful? Well, it depends on the indices that you are using, the, the success indices. Um, in terms of running a business or um, being in the space this long, I think that uh, we defied the the statistic that startups fail within the first to five year yeah. period. You yeah. know, so and we are we are doing thirteen years. After thirteen years, I feel that um, we could have there is more that we could have achieved. Mm -hmm. But looking back and looking at my contemporaries, the people that I started with, business that were around the period that I started, yeah. they are no more. Yeah. So yes, um, within me, I I look within me and have a, a modicum of pride that, well, I think that, yes, um, it's been a, a worthwhile journey that um, we have achieved some successes. So yes, um, in terms of longevity and also, yes, um, providing employment for some few young people, yeah. yes, um, it gives me some sort of satisfaction that my running around is putting food and on the table of some young people. <laughs> what do you think has made you successful though? What, what habits have you like developed? Because you talked about your peers, why have yeah. you been able to? Um, <laughs> interesting question. Um, it will be a number of factors, but I also think that um, I, I had a drive, you know, and um, um, I said to myself that um, I am burning the bridges. I don't want to go back. So it's either ruin or perish. I think it was Churchill who it was Churchill who said that um, they went for a war and when they landed on the shore, they burned their boots. That they are not going back. They have to conquer the enemy. So I, I, I had that mentality, and I also think that I also lend myself to people to give me the necessary support, not necessarily financially, but at a point you realize that you don't have everything it takes to run a business. So um, you may be lacking in marketing. You look through your network and ask, who can help me achieve this? You may be lacking in um, financing or accounting. So I will look through my network and call on my friends who are good at it to give me help. So yes, I have really tapped into my resources in terms of friends who would 
learn me their expertise and skills. Yeah. And um, also, I, I'm also, I was also fortunate to build a team yeah. that bought into the vision and decided to come along on the journey with me. Yeah. You know, 13 years, I've had craftsmen that I started with who are still with me. Along the line, you will get some bad people who would burn your fingers and teach you the lesson, but um, you dust it off and um, you, you, you soldier on. So it's been um, bit and pieces of um, everything. And also, yes, I have had, I have had supportive family, you know, um, my friends, um, my wife, who is taking care of the kids far away, um, because um, I also have friends who have to balance between being a dad, a husband, and also work, you know, yeah. but I can afford to stay long hours because I have that 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 freedom. Yeah. So yes, um, I, I have been lucky to to have um, the support system, and um, I tap onto into the support system, and they didn't say no. Yeah, amazing. I'm wondering, as you're telling me all this, because you've been in business for such a long time, like what's the drive for you know doing all of this? I'm trying to understand where it comes from. Come from. You came from Kumasi mm -hmm. and Accra. You're doing well. You're looking to do this for for a very long time. Yeah. Where, where does the drive come from? Um, well, as part of our values, we say legacy. Legacy by legacy, we mean that we want to build a business that will live after the founder. You know, um, I was in some business class, and the question was asked: How many Ghanaian businesses have lived after the founder? We struggled to mention names. You know, so I want to do this for a very long time, that one day, if Tony Sena is not there, Horseman will live. When I go to the Fifth Avenue in New York and I see businesses since 1876, you know, it gives me that inspiration that, wow, this business was established in 1876. So I can imagine the number of generations that has worked on that business. So um, building the legacy is one of my motivations. And one, my vision also is to build um, the biggest leather product manufacturer in Africa in terms of brand preference and employment. And I am very key on employment because a lot of people in the space, um, the artisans, these are guys who most of them they didn't have formal education. They got terminated at a point and they did not go into shoemaking because they loved it or because they found an opportunity. It's because they couldn't further the education. Well, if you couldn't make it, if you couldn't make the grades, then go and learn shoemaking go and learn mechanic, go and learn how to sew. Yeah. I want to change that perception, you know. I want to create an, uh, an avenue for young people to come and work in an environment where they will feel fulfilled, yeah. you know. So that also gives me a lot of drive, you know. I want to see young people do well because of the association or because they work with horseman yeah. shoes. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, uh, I love that and I, I think with your driver feel like it could definitely go far, definitely can see you, you know, getting there. You just have to keep going. Keep, keep going, yeah. It's going to be ups and downs, like we, sure. you know, we had the downs of, of, of COVID. Mm -hmm. But as you said, you're trying to build structures in place mm -hmm. to get you to a place where, like, it can run without you. Because you know, I think that's the most important part. Of, yes, that's of, where of the, business. that's one way we can achieve the legacy, our value of building a legacy. Yeah, I want to build a business that when, I am out of the equation, yeah. the, the business will still run. Yeah. So in terms of like, you know, if anybody in terms of entrepreneurs, because that's, I think that's definitely a way for, you know, people to, to build wealth. I guess what would your advice be to somebody who wants to, you know, start a business in Ghana? What would be like your key advice for them? Um, there's one thing that I, I have kept saying for the past years, that um, I have I have met a lot of people who have ideas, but what, keeps them from 
doing what they have in mind is the fear of failure. People think that they will fail and uh, um, they will be judged, you know. But I tell them that, look, if you fail, and so what? You know, um, it is better to try and fail than fail not to try because then you'll be living with the regret, if I had, if I had. So I tell people, whatever idea that you have, at least give it a shot. If it fails, you take the lessons. And I spoke to one business person who said that when you start a business, pray that the failure comes early because at all costs, you have some failures. And those fail from that failures, we, we take the learnings. So whatever idea that you have, just give it a shot. Yeah. Give it a shot. Whatever it takes, give it a shot. And know in your heart that at least I gave it a shot and it failed. Rather than thinking that if I had done this, I would have no. Never be afraid to fail. Yeah, yeah. So for Ghanaians that are, you know, international in the UK, US and other countries in the world and they wanted to move back to Ghana, what would your advice be to them? Oops, this is a very interesting question, especially at this time when uh, there are a lot of people seeking to leave the country. But um, if they want to come for business, that I can tell them that there are a lot of opportunities here in Ghana. But the most important thing is um, getting people that are very trustworthy, that you can work with, you know, because um, most of the times, the stories that we hear from our, our people living abroad is um, the experience with having local partners is that they get their fingers burned so for me the most important thing is if you find if you find an opportunity here in ghana and you want to come and explore it your critical your critical resource should be trusted getting trusted people people who would very be committed to the project and be truthful to you okay okay i love that and the, you know obviously in the uk we have cost of living crisis happening mm -hmm. there we have inflation having impact there as well. What, what's been the impact in, in Ghana? Uh, you, well, um, personally, and then for your business, I'm sure um, Ghanaians would uh, would they be happy? No, um, it would be more. You are lending credence to what our government has been telling us that uh, it's a global crisis that yes. uh, that is happening because um, cost of living in Ghana has really, really, really increased and um, inflation, um, cost of doing business, um, utility everything has become very expensive and um, we were told that it's as a result of the COVID and the Russian-Ukraine war so that was the refrain that was being sung that has been that has been sung for the past three years so if we hear people living outside Ghana also say the same thing then I think that then it's a, it's a global crisis but for here we are really really feeling the heat you know and uh, uh, it's difficult. Yeah. We are in difficult times here in Ghana. Yeah. One of the things that when I when I go to Nigeria, whenever I see, obviously there's poverty in the UK. I just mm -hmm. see this huge gap. You know, gap in poverty gap, and I'm always thinking, okay, what's how can we get more people out of poverty? So what, what do you think is one of the ways that we can get more people out of poverty in in Ghana? Like what could help help Cre that? Creating jobs. I mean, I, I can't think of anything else than to create jobs, you know. Um, this current government has a policy where he said that they will build, in every district, they are going to build one factory. And I think the thinking behind that was to create jobs so that um, even, so people even don't travel to Accra 
to 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 be jammed here in in, in the capital city you know it's, it's just it's just jobs um, at all. it's just jobs creating jobs building factories and taking our agriculture more seriously and also investing in what we call the technical and vocational education yeah. you know um, those are the things that would actually lift the the youth out of unemployment situation it's just creating jobs okay. I love that I love that so what, what do you have planned next for yourself um, we are seeking to expand our product line. We are so last year, 2022, we rebranded from Horseman Shoes to simply Horseman. Okay. Uh, to make up, to make room for our next line of um, product lines like um, leather bags, leather wallets, leather pouches, leather leather books. You know, all the leather belts. So we want to do a full range of leather products. And um, so Horseman Shoes was limiting us to only um, shoes. Now the brand is Horseman. So we are working on um, other, other, other products that we, we hope to launch, launch before Christmas. Okay. Amazing, amazing. Where, where can people find you if you want to learn more? Um, where could people find us? We have a website, horsemanshoes.com. We are heavily present on social media. So on Instagram, we are Horseman since 2010. Yeah. And then on Facebook, we are just Horseman. Yeah. And if you're having any difficulty, just Google Horseman and it will take you to our various uh, um, outlets. Amazing. Thank you so much, Tony. It's been, it's been great having this conversation because I feel like, like I said to you before, like to be able to have the drive to, you know, not only learn shoemaking, that's that's what that's that's difficult. But to be able to be in business for like almost over a decade is is it's not it's no easy feat, especially in an area where like you're not getting that financing. You mm -hmm. have to you know use your resources from like friends and family mm -hmm. and you having to also upskill yourself at the same time whilst also maintaining business. It's not it's not easy by by any stretch of imagination. So it might so you know, amazing. It's amazing what you've done, so congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I mean like the horse we will keep running. <laughs> <laughs> is that like you're saying? <laughs> yeah, so um, Horseman is an inspiration I got from a preacher, the, um, one of the famous preachers in Ghana called Istud Anaba. So he was preaching and um, um, asking today's prophets how they could compare to the prophets of old, like Ezekiel and Isaiah. So I, I, I asked myself that if I ask young people, young professionals, who they want to be like, they will mention people who have achieved in society. So those, those who have achieved are the horsemen. But if you want to be like them, then we must have a lot of determination. We must have a lot of stamina like the horse. We must complete our race. And life itself is one big race. So you need a horseman's shoes to run the race. Yeah. So horseman, we say for places going people. Amazing, amazing. I was going to ask for final <laughs> words, but I, I mean, that, that could be your that yes. final words. Yeah, so uh, horseman for places going people. Yeah. I mean, we have to run the race of life, you know, yeah. and we have to complete that race. We must have a lot of stamina, you know, amazing. so we need horseman shoes for the race of life. Amazing. Thank you so much, Tony. Thank you, Atul. For, for, you know, taking the time to speak to me today. Um, thank you, watchers and listeners, for tuning in to this episode of Take Away Experience. And we'll see you next week. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, 
we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.